time. Just may your word go out and accomplish that purpose that you have intended for us. And we thank you that we can gather here as a family and meet with you and hear from you. We thank you for all you're doing in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. And just as I was introduced, I'm Nate Visker. I, some of you may recognize me, some of you may not. I've been, a, been in Bethesda Church for about 20 years, but I've also been in Japan for about 20 years. I was here since I was a little baby, but uh, about 20 years ago I went to Japan, and 17 of those years I've spent as a missionary on a little island called Okinawa. You can try to find it on the map later, you might have trouble. But uh, I've had the privilege of serving with a church there called Joy Chapel. It started out with seven people in the pastor's small apartment room, and I've been able to work with them and partner with them over the years, and now they have uh, more, well over 100 people. They have a preschool that has over 200 kids from the community coming every day, hearing the gospel, learning memory verses, impacting the community. Uh, they have an after-school program where they reach out to the public school uh, in the area. They have about 40 kids coming in from the public schools every day, hearing about Christ. Uh, they have a vision, even though, as it was just introduced, Japan has only about 1% Christian. They want to send out missionaries from Japan. And even as we speak, right now, there's a team from the church that I was in. A small team has gone out to the Middle East, and they're spending a few weeks in the Middle East sharing the gospel from this tiny little island in the Pacific. And I just look back and I say, it's been a privilege to have a front row seat to see what God has been doing in these other nations and areas around the world. But it's also been a privilege to have a loving family in Christ always behind me, supporting me, praying for me. That's been such a big blessing and I can't emphasize that enough. Every missionary, they need a loving and supporting family behind them. And I'd also like to say it's a great privilege to see what God is doing right here, right now, in Metro Detroit. And God has led our family to be back here for this season, and I'm excited to see what God has planned for us right here. So today, I'm gonna share a little bit of, I guess what I've learned and gleaned over the years through ministering cross-culturally but I like to title this message, God's Big Vision and Our Small Peace. God's Big Vision, Our Small Peace. So first, I'd like you to imagine with me. We're gonna play this game. I don't know how many people are here, but just for the purpose of the illustration, let's say there's a thousand people here, and I have a thousand piece puzzle right here. I will pass out one piece to every single person. Doesn't matter what your age is, doesn't matter if it's your first time in the door, you're the pastor, whether you're rich, poor, young, old, everybody gets one piece of this puzzle. I'm the only one with the box. You don't have the box, you just have this little piece. 
and you're in charge of that one little piece. And we have to work together and put this puzzle together. So the good thing is, I have the box. What will I do? I have a microphone and I have the box. I'm gonna give some general instructions. Let's work together, respect each other, help each other out. All right, we're all gonna do this, that. And I'm gonna describe the picture for you. Oh, it's a, it's a scenery of a beautiful house by a river with flowers on the right side, pink and red, etc. Then maybe I'll give some more specific instructions. Those with corner pieces, come gather over here. Those with the edges, come over here. Those with pink, over here. Green, over here. I'd be organizing and instructing people as we go. And I think if everyone was willing to listen and trust and obey, me with the microphone giving the instructions and sharing this uh, image of the picture, we might be able to work together and get this puzzle done. I share this because this is kind of an illustration of what world missions looks like. I think there's a little picture that may come up. But this, oh, right there, there it is. This is a little image of what world missions looks like. We all have a piece. God has a big vision, he has a big plan, something he wants to do throughout the whole world. And each person has a little piece to play, a little piece to put into that puzzle. So when we talk about world missions and also understanding your role and how you fit into the whole thing, just like building the puzzle, it's important to understand the final big picture we're looking at. It helps to put everything in perspective. It gives us reference. So what is the big picture that God is envisioning? What is the final picture that God is looking at as far as missions go? Well, the last book of the Bible, Revelations, gives us this picture of what the final product is gonna look like. God's, uh, God, through John, he's describing the new heavens and the new earth and all the amazing things that are going on. And he gives us this vivid picture of what God, is an envision, what God is envisioning for the world. And in Revelation 7, 9 to 12, he paints this one particular very vivid picture about what it's going to look like. So I'll read that from Revelation 7, 9 to 12. After this, I looked... And behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. 
In the end, God is desiring that representatives from every people group, every nation, every language from around the whole world will be redeemed by the blood of Christ. They'll be gathered together as one, worshiping God for all eternity, joining in the song with the angels for all eternity, worshiping God. And it gives us, right here we see this vivid picture. It's almost like concentric circles of worship going out like a stone making ripples in the water. You have the throne of God in the center. You have the four living creatures, the elders, the multitude of angels surrounded by multitudes of people from every sort of background you can think of joining in this song, praising God for his amazing salvation. I've heard this before. Missions exist where worship does not. Missions exist where true worship of God does not. We're sharing the gospel. We're leading people to Christ, but we're leading them to be worshipers of the true God. That will continue through all eternity. Evangelism will have an end. There will be a time when sharing the gospel will not be needed anymore, but worship will continue for all, for all eternity. And missions exist where worship does not exist yet. We bring worship of the true God wherever we go. So that's a, one snapshot of the front of the box, if we, we can say, that God is envisioning but before we get to that point, Jesus said something very important. And that's in Matthew 24, 14. I'm going to read that. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. For this picture to be fully realized, yes, the gospel does need to be proclaimed in all nations. And the end will not come until the gospel reaches every people group around the world. I mean, if you look at end time prophecies, people have a hundred million theories of when Jesus is coming back. But if you're really interested in the second return of Christ, get out in the world and share the gospel. That's my advice. <laughs> If you're interested in the second return of Christ, get out and share the gospel. He's very clear about the timing. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. We're not getting there until we get the gospel out to all the people groups. And he has a means for accomplishing this. Maybe God could snap his fingers. Maybe he could write in the sky, for God so loved the world. I don't know. But he chose to use regular people to bring this message around the world. In Acts 1.8, Jesus is talking about this coming kingdom. And he says to his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. God's means for spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth is everyday people, fishermen, tax collectors, whatever, 
empowered by the Holy Spirit, being a witness of the resurrected Christ wherever they go, throughout the world, unto the ends of the earth. We've received the baton. We're ordinary people. I'm sure you would raise your hand. I'm ordinary too. But through the extraordinary power of the Holy Spirit, we too can be witnesses of Christ to the ends of the earth. I tell you, my friends in Japan, in Okinawa, they're ordinary people, but they just trusted God in a very unlikely nation, and they're stepping out into the world to share the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit. Anyone can do it. All we have to do is trust and follow him. That's kind of the big picture and how we get there. But like I said, if we're building this puzzle, there are certainly instructions that apply to everyone. And God has given clear instructions that apply to everyone, to all believers, through the word. And throughout my time as in the mission field and just as being a following Christ, there's two particular instructions of Jesus that particularly stand out. He emphasized these. And the first one, we call it the great commandment or the greatest commandment. If you've been around church, you could probably tell me what that is, the great commandment. It's Jesus' answer when someone asked him, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? We'll get into that in a moment. And the other one is something we call the great commission. That's Jesus' famous last words. He died, rose again, he appeared to his disciples, he was ready to go back into heaven, and he gave his last final instructions to his disciples. We call that the Great Commission. We'll get into that in a moment too. But keep in mind, the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. The Great Commandment and the Great Commission. These two, they form the foundation to all of our mission work. Everything builds upon this, the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. We can find the Great Commandment. Well, first of all, it's originally in Deuteronomy 6, but I'll read the passage where Jesus was asked about it in Mark 12, 28 to 31. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. We can summarize the great commandment as hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the core of what Jesus is telling us. And I've heard this many, many times, and often said, oh, what's the greatest commandment? Oh, that's easy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. 
I've said that a billion times. But the more I read this over and over, and the more I carefully just read the scripture, that's true, but that's only part of the story. And that's not even the first part of the story. I've done it so many times, I skip over the first part. Jesus started a little bit before that. What's the greatest commandment? That hear, O Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's called the Shema. The, the Jewish people, they recited that all the time. But I've always, oh, that first part, that's just like, I don't know, what is that? It's not that important. We, the, the important part is love the Lord your God, right? What, what is that first part? But if we look at it, first of all, the word here is written as a commandment. It's saying, listen up. Listen up. Actually, the very first commandment of that is here. God wants us to be a listening people, listening to him. And now I have a two-year-old daughter. You know what? Listening is one of the most fundamental expressions of love. <laughs> if you've ever raised, it's very hard for two-year-olds to listen, but when you know they're really listening to you, you know they're really loving you. And as God's kids, the first thing he wants for us is to learn how to listen to him, to hear. Hear, O Israel. And that's where it all starts. That's the foundation of everything I'm talking about. It has to start from a listening heart, a heart that's willing to be humble before God and hear what he says above what I'm thinking. And he says, hear, O Israel. In the original context, yes, he's talking to the nation of Israel. But the word Israel, if you think of the name Israel, this is loaded with so much meaning. Israel, well, one, it's a name. God could just as easily be saying, here, O Nate, listen up, Nate, I want to talk to you. Or he could be calling your name. Israel also is a name that represents the chosen people of God. God can be saying to you, here, you chosen one. Israel is the holy people of God. Hear, you holy one. Israel is the name that came from Jacob when God touched him and his life was changed. From that point on, he was Israel. God could be saying, here, you who have been touched by God. Here, you who have been changed by God. My point is, it's more than just calling someone out. God is calling out who you are. God is calling out their identity. When we listen to God, he will tell you who you really are. And it's important to let God define you, not your own thoughts, not what other people say, not what the culture says. First of all, listen to God and let God define you. This is the foundation that we build upon. And then it says, the Lord, our God. The word our it's a possessive pronoun. The more you think about this, you have to have a relationship to call God our. Our relationship with God. He speaks to us. We hear him. He calls out our identity. And we, 
through Christ, can have a true and living and meaningful and personal relationship with God. And our is also plural. So it's not just me and him, but there's others. We're connected to God and we're connected to something greater than us, the body of Christ, other believers, in loving relationship with God and with each other. This relationship with God also becomes so foundational to all the work that we're doing. And the Lord is one. It doesn't mean just only one, two, one, but he is unique. He is one of a kind. There's no one like him. He is, there's no one as loving as God. There's no one as true as God. No one as wise as God. No one as powerful as God. He is one of a kind. God tells us who he is. In God's nature, God's character, who he is becomes the foundation to all that we do. Let me just summarize. When we listen to God, the more we listen to God, the more we'll know who he is. And the more we know who he is, who he truly is, the more we will naturally love him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And love your neighbor. The more we love God, we will naturally love our neighbors. James said, you cannot love God and hate your neighbor. It just doesn't work. It can't be. The more we hear him, the more we will know him, the more we will love him. Sounds like know the word, live the word, spread the word. That's the great commandment. And the great commission is Jesus' last words. I'm going to read that quickly in Matthew 28. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And Mark also has another uh, take on this from Mark 16. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. It's pretty straightforward, but these are the last words of Jesus. They're very important. And he's saying, go, do as I did, say as I say, say as I said, speak as I speak, be me out in the nations, and let the world know that I died and rose from the get, again from the dead, and anyone who believes in me will be forgiven, they will be a child of God and have eternal life, go and let everybody know. Let every individual go and disciple the nations. We can also impact societies with the gospel, with the power of the gospel. Get out there and let the message be known. That's the great commission and the great commandment. And these two are connected. You can't, one doesn't work without the other. They work off each other. It's the Great Commandment is what motivates us to step out in obedience to the Great Commission. Or we can put it this way. The Great Commandment is the fuel that keeps the Great Commission moving forward. The Great Commission is what I do. The Great Commandment is why I do it. We're out there, we go, we share the gospel because we hear God, because we know God loves us, and because we love God passionately, and we love those who God loves. 
we love our neighbor. It's that love of God that fuels us to continue with the Great Commission. And it can be hard, and this doesn't apply just to going overseas or going to another mission, parenting, marriage, your work, your school, anything can be hard. But you can fulfill the Great Commission in all of those contexts, and it's the Great Commandment. It's the love of God that will keep you moving forward in each of those areas. And like I said, the great commandment or the great commission and the great commandment apply to all of us, but how that plays out and actually looks in our lives is going to be different for every person. Not everyone's going to go to Japan. Not everyone's going to even go overseas. But like I said, like the puzzle, every single person has a piece, a very important piece to play. And God does guide us and has a unique role for each person. And God can speak to us and guide us. And how do we receive those specific, maybe more specific, more personal directions for God? There's no easy path, but the more we deepen our relationship with God through regular prayer and in the Word, it's that, that's the foundation that will sharpen our hearts to be more discerning of where He's leading us. In John 10... Jesus says, he said, I'm the good shepherd, you're my sheep. And he says, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out his, all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. I just want you to know, be confident that you can hear Christ. You can hear what the Spirit is speaking to you. You can follow his guidance. He has a great plan for your life, of things he wants to do in you and through you. And there's ways you can check if you're sensing something. First of all, is it in line with the scripture? God's not going to say anything out of line with what he's already taught us through the scripture. And he's given us leaders and mature believers in Christ that we can just come, hey, I'm sensing this. Can you pray with me and help me discern? God's given us the body of Christ to help one another. But I think when it comes down to it, to know and to be led by God is trusting and obeying, stepping out in trust and obedience. Like they say, you can't steer a parked car. It needs to be moving to be able to steer it. When we trust, and trust God and step out in faith and obedience, he can guide us and lead us where we should go. So let me just tell you one personal story that will hopefully illustrate how the Great Commandment and the Great Commission are linked and also how God led me, particularly, to continue moving forward in the Great Commission. At this time, it was about six years ago, I was spending about six months in Singapore doing a missions training program. And during that time, I had the opportunity to join this uh, special prayer meeting. There were representatives from all the mission organizations in Singapore gathered in this church, and then we were going to pray for the nations of the world. So what they did, they rolled out this huge world map on the floor, big enough for 100 people to stand on. And the leader of the meeting says, okay, we're going to pray. Just ask the Holy Spirit, 
for a nation. Put a nation on your heart and go stand there and pray for it. A nation, a city. Okay. Like, well, I've been a missionary in Japan and Okinawa for many years. I should probably go pray there. But I felt God say, that's good, but not now. Okay. Well, I think in the Bible, back in Jeremiah 29 or somewhere, it says, pray for the city. Pray for the well-being of the city where I've placed you. Well, I'm in Singapore right now, so maybe I should go uh, pray for Singapore. I felt the Holy Spirit say, that's good, but not now. I'm like, what? Okay. Then I just felt the word Detroit come into my heart. I was born and raised. I left Detroit. I mean, I don't have any bad feelings about Detroit. I don't hate Detroit. But have I been passionately praying about Detroit while I've been in Japan, not really. It's just kind of, yeah, it's, it's back there. It's where family is. But I just felt God say, go, just go stand on that little dot that says Detroit. I walked over there, not expecting what was going to happen. But the moment I stood there, this does not happen to me. I'm not this kind of person. But the moment I stood on there, I just couldn't hold myself. I was overwhelmed and started crying. I couldn't pray any words. All I could do is just feel God, compassion for this city. And I couldn't, I couldn't carry it. I, all I could do is just feel God's compassion and care and love for the hurting and the broken in this city. All I could say is God have mercy on Metro Detroit. God have mercy on these people that your kingdom come and your will be done here, even as it is in heaven. I've never really done that, and not much since, but just God just poured out this, his love, his heart of compassion for this city into me, and it really shocked me and surprised me, but he gave me a revelation of his love for this city. That was six years ago. I mean, I left it at that, not intending, I mean, that was just a prayer, God have mercy. Well, sometimes God uses you to answer your own prayers. And as things go, it's a different story for a different day, but God led our family to come back here. And we're here to live out the Great Commission, however God has designed it for us, here in this season. But the bottom line reason why I'm here is because God loves Metro Detroit. God loves each and every person here. It's not because I'm so passionate. It's not because my love is great. It's because Jesus died and gave his life for each and every person in Metro Detroit, and he showed me that. That's the only reason. If I want to summarize in one point, God loves this city. When we catch a vision of God's love, when we catch a vision of God's heart, that's what's going to motivate us to keep following after him, to live out the Great Commission. That's just my unique piece. But I want to say everyone here carries a unique piece of the puzzle. And it's going to look different for each person. But like the pieces of a puzzle, we're all connected to each other, and we need each other, and each one contributes to the big picture. None is more important than the other. 
In world missions, just because you go to Japan doesn't mean you're more important than someone who doesn't. If you finish a puzzle but you're missing one piece, it looks weird. Everyone is important. I need you, you need me, each person needs each other. And the most important thing to remember that this is God's vision, this is God's puzzle. It's not mine. It's God's vision and it's God's puzzle. And it's God who has invited us to join him in his work. Uh, it's just like there's a dad painting a room and three boys, three of his boys come in. They say, hey dad, what are you doing? He says, I'm painting the room. Would you like to join me and help? I say, yeah, we want to help you. All right, little Tommy, you're, you're very detailed. You take this tape and put it around the edges. Okay, little Joey, you're strong. You carry these buckets over here, open them up, and mix the paint. Okay, uh, you know, Frankie, you, you have a steady hand. You pick up this brush and you brush. He gives them each a job, each a little piece. Dad, he knows what they're like. He's wise enough. He gives them each a role, and they work together, and they finish the job. Just like that, in World Missions, the father is wise, he knows each one of us, he has a different role, a different job for each one of us, and there's various roles in the whole process of the gospel reaching the ends of the world. I'm going to look at Romans 10 quickly, and then we're going to close up here. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him who they have not believed? How are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. There's senders, there's goers, and I think even just hearing and believing, that's also a very important step in missions. But we can, just the pictures back out here again, but I want to leave you with one question. And throughout the seasons of your life, I will say, you'll have more than one piece of the puzzle. It's not going to be one that's going to be the same your whole life. It will change. But what is that one piece that God is putting in your hand today? And we can be quick to say, hey, God, what should I do? But I want to present this question to you first. Before you say, God, what should I do? I want you to ask, God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing and how can I join you? And just maybe God's going to put, just quiet your heart now. Maybe God will put someone's face in your mind. Could be your family, your neighbor. Maybe he'll put a place, your workplace, your, your commute, your church, a prison, another nation, a people group. Whatever he puts in your mind, say, God, what are you doing here? What are you doing in this person's life? What are you doing? And how can I join you? Let's just take a moment to quiet yourself. Say, God, put something on my heart. And like I'm saying, missions, you don't have to be the one going. There's those who go. There's so, those who send. There's many ways that this can happen. That you, your peace can look many different ways. And maybe you're here for the first time and you're like, missions what? 
you still have a piece. It may be, I'm interested to know more about Jesus. That's an important piece. Just saying yes to Jesus, yes to Jesus. There's always people in the church, maybe at the altars, if you have questions, you want to know more about Jesus, you wanna say you're interested to know more, more about God, they can always talk with you and pray with you. Maybe God is putting some, something in your mind. He wants to send you. Maybe he doesn't want to send you across the ocean, but maybe he wants to send you across the street. Maybe he wants to send you across the grocery aisle. Maybe he really wants to use you to send and support. There's many opportunities to give and support and pray. And there's missionaries out on the field. I'll tell you what, even just a, a personal handwritten letter that arrives in the mail, that's a big encouragement. I've gotten it, and I've been really blessed by it. We're praying for you. We know you. I don't know. But I just say, God, what are you doing? How can I join you? I just hope you can get one specific action that you can do. I don't want you just to be, yeah, I'm inspired. I'm gonna be involved in missions. That's too big. Get one specific action, one little piece. Yes, God, you put this nation on my mind. I'm gonna start learning this language. Yeah, God, I'm gonna go teach a new memory verse to my grandson. God, I'm gonna go across my neighbor's house and invite him for dinner. I'm gonna commit myself to give so and so, such and such for missions. I'm gonna pray for this missionary. I hope you can get one specific action from God and take that home with you. And if you can, make it something that you can say and share with someone. When you say it, it helps you do it. I'm gonna pray and we'll close out here. Thank you, Father, for this wonderful day. Thank you for your wonderful mission and your big vision to share the gospel with every nation, tribe, language, and thank you that each person here has a role to play. None is more important or less important than the other. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will clearly speak to each person here to call, call out their identity in you. Know that they are chosen and loved by you. Let the, give them a new revelation of who you are and how much you love them and how much you love the people around them and inspire them to keep moving forward with the Great Commission, with the Gospel, out of your great love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.